1: To the opening kickoff podcast, I'm your host Dave Stahlman. We have a loaded show for you. Uh, the guys will be with me a little later, but we're going to get started with a little baseball. We're going to dive into the off season, and we are pleased. I'm pleased to be joined by Dan Clark of the TBL Daily. Dan, second time on. Thank you for coming on. How you doing tonight? I'm How are you? Oh, fantastic! Ready to talk some. Uh, Ready to talk some off-season baseball, and uh, there is a, isn't a lack of topics to discuss
3: this go around uh, with with baseball. Yeah, it's been quite an interesting few weeks. I mean, this week in particular, um, the last week or so, with the Astros scandal, which we're obviously going to talk about, and um, you know, starting to look at some trade talk. There's a fair bit of free agency talk obviously this time of year. So yeah, it um, hasn't been as painful as we expected uh, missing baseball. <laughs>
1: yeah all right so uh, let's start with with the obvious with the, the scandal that's kind of rocked the baseball world with the mm. Astros being accused of cheating in 2017 of sign stealing using high-tech video cameras just give me your initial thoughts and feelings about this whole situation and what you think will happen going forward
3: uh, I, I, look I've been pretty clear um in my tweets saying I'm, I'm not really gonna give an opinion on whether they're guilty or not until after the hearings come out. But I guess that was before, and I'm going to credit the um, old John boy who's exposed a lot of stuff on Twitter. And um, uh, the, the video footage I've seen uh, is uh, not only seen, but obviously what you can hear as well with the whistling and the banging and so forth. It's it's pretty hard to, to deny. Um, now, obviously... MLB will run its investigation and, and they'll come to a conclusion. But even just reading some of the um, comments recently from, from Manfred, seems to me that he might be indicating that there's a fair bit of stuff there. He's obviously seen that, obviously, the public's seen as well. And if we're all looking at the same evidence, I, I really can't see how the Astros are going to avoid um, some sort of pen- significant penalty here because... Uh, You know, this footage, I've looked at it myself, so John Boy will highlight the games and then I'll go look at it myself. Um, None of it's edited. It's pretty clear to me. So, yeah, I think they're in a bit of trouble. I think there's quite a bit of nerves around Houston, no doubt. And um, what the fallout will be, I'm not sure. I think uh, Manfred's been pretty clear that he needs to make an example of anyone um, guilty of this type of stuff. So I think... It'll be swift, and I think it'll be quite harsh. So, in, in your estimation,
1: what do you what do you think this type of punishment would look like in terms of what Rob Manfred would hand down to the Houston Astros?
3: I think there'll obviously be a significant financial penalty. Um, you know, how far he goes, I guess, will depend on. Um, you know, if there's any additional evidence that, that they uncover that I guess we yeah. haven't seen publicly or that we haven't come across yet. Keeping in mind, everything we're seeing publicly is really only coming from um, obviously John Boyd, who's probably the most prominent blogger out there that we've seen some stuff from. But a lot of fans have done their own digging, and, and I guess that's the beauty of this day and age now where the investigation uh, the people doing the investigation will probably be looking at exactly the same stuff we as fans and bloggers can, can find online. So um, unless there's something, you know, that, that we're not privy to, um, I think it would be quite a few million-dollar fine um, as an initial starting point. In terms of other sanctions, look, they're not obviously going to revoke um, any any um, uh, achievements that the Astros have had um, in that time. Um, but um, you know, there could be implications around future draft picks. There, um, there could be a number of things. I, I suspensions potentially. Um, whether that's an, um, from a management level, I, I would assume. Um, but someone needs to be held accountable, and I don't think finan- If if it's proven, keeping in mind this is all alleged at the moment, but if it is proven, then I think there has to be some significant penalties that go beyond financial.
1: Yeah, I agree, because to me, in a situation like this, and let's let's make it clear that this wasn't in 2019 against the Nationals. This was back in 2017 when they won it against the Dodgers. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's financial compensation is going to be like a slap on the wrist. You're absolutely yeah. right. They can't go back and take back the World Series like they won it. Those guys will forever have won a World Series, but I think somewhere along the lines of you'll see draft picks. Potentially, there might be penalties in terms of free agency. Guys are going to be suspended. I definitely think A.J. Hinch – I said it last week on the show – A.J. Hinch, in in my opinion, is probably going to get a pretty hefty suspension because there's no way as a manager you're not hearing that stuff going on in your dugout and not being like, okay – What the hell are you guys
3: doing? Unless you know what they're doing, so and it's it you're exactly right, and I think it's pretty. It would you would be a fool if anyone out there, and I trust me, there's some people on Twitter who are saying it, but (laughs) they would be an absolute fool if they think that something this orchestrated and something this complex and um you know and it was just. It was, if again, probably making some assumptions that they're guilty, but let's say they were. There's no way that the manager of a baseball team could not be aware of it. There's no way. And um, Hinch could plead in, uh, innocence as much as he likes. In my opinion, there is no way that the manager of a team could not be aware of this process going on. I wholeheartedly agree with you, but like
1: you said, we need to wait for all the facts to come out. We need to wait from Major League Baseball's investigation to finish, so while we wait for that, let's have a little fun here, Dan, and let's look Mm -hmm. ahead to free agency, and more particularly, the trade market all of a sudden is going to be something to watch this offseason because there's some big names being floated out there. Potentially Francisco Lindor with the Indians, potentially Chris Bryant with the Cubs, and potentially Mookie Betts with the Red Sox reports are all that one of those three could be moved. So I'll ask you the first question in that group. Who do you think is more the most likely to be moved if their team decides it's time to trade them?
3: Yeah, it's interesting. Obviously, um, we're referring to John Morosi's tweet um, where he mentioned that from his discussion with a number of MLB execs, that at least one of those three will be moved, which I, I mean, I'm not overly surprised with say someone maybe like um, a Bryant Um, the Cubs need to retool and there's no um, two ways about that that they um, obviously there's a heap of talent still on that roster but there are certainly some gaps Um, they're also in win now mode Um, they certainly need to bolster that pitching staff Um, they also need to add some guys at the top of the lineup who are high on base percentage guys so I think there's definitely, out of the three, Chris Bryant is the one who maybe is probably a little bit more plausible than the other two. Um, obviously, the, the Cubs have a new manager as well, David Ross. So that's going to bring a bit of, you know, it, it sparks some life into into the team. So I, I could see the Cubs maybe shifting him for, for um, a number of pieces which can, can bolster that team. Lindor, I mean... The thing with the Indians, right, that they, I think they underachieved last year, and I also think the Twins overachieved. Um, don't get me wrong, the Twins have a fantastic amount of power in that lineup, and I think other than the Yankees, they hit the most home runs from memory. But um, I can't see them shifting Lindor. Um I still think the Indians realise that the AL Central's probably, I think, almost. Unanimously the weakest division in baseball. So I still think they've got a, a quite a, a strong chance there of um of, of having a good um crack next season and and then you know add you know add add some pieces around the trade deadline and suddenly they're they're right in the mix. Um and bets, I mean that's an interesting one. I, I certainly think there's some value in the Red Sox doing that. Obviously, Martinez has um opted in, in the last week or so. Um, but the, we, you know, it is quite widely reported that the stocks are looking to shed some cash. Um, I've said it a number of times myself that the roster's aging um, and I still think the pitching staff um, has got quite a few concerns there. So, you know, suddenly you shift him um, and see what you get in return, throw in some, um, some young prospects to, to restock the farm and and, yeah, who knows? So, Out of the three, um, to summarize, I think Brian definitely is a a chance. Um, That's certainly a possibility, but I I, I don't see the Indians moving Lindor.
1: I I would agree with you, especially about Francisco Lindor. I kind of think it's like the Orioles will listen on Lindor, but you're going to have to be blown away if you're the Indians to consider moving him. I think... Uh, just to differ, I think Mookie Betts is the more likely option to get traded just because it's a crowded outfield there in Boston. Mm-hmm. Now that Martinez is back with Benintendi, Jackie Bradley, you got Brock Holt that can play in the outfield. Yep. But what, What's interesting about the Cubs and about the Red Sox, and even to an extent the Indians, we're not talking about teams with these great farm systems anymore where it's yeah. you have a guy right behind them where you can ship a Mookie Betts and be like, hey, okay, here's our number two overall prospect is ready to take over. They don't have that in Boston. They used to have that in Chicago, but they're kind of depleted. But at least they have David Bodie that can play third. Now he's not Chris Bryant, but you have that. And just like in Boston, you have J.D. Martinez who's not the outfielder that Mookie Betts is, but you can put them in the outfield and at least get by. So I kind of think the Red Sox, because of what you talked about, I think the Red Sox are trying to get under the luxury tax. And when mm-hmm. Martinez opting in at that contract, it puts them in a, we got to find a way to get rid of some cash somewhere. And bets becomes a likely option.
3: Yeah. I think the other thing we need to keep in mind with Boston in particular is the Yankees are primed, man. I, I as an Orioles, um, predominantly as an Orioles fan and, and writer, I look at the Yankees and it's quite um, pleasing as an O's fan to see that we are in rebuild mode at the moment and we're really not expecting to challenge probably the next three, four years or so because the Yankees are stacked and, um, you know, we'll get on, on to that discussion a little bit later around free agents. But I, I fully expect the Yankees to have a bit of a dip this year um, and address that that rotation, which I probably think they missed an opportunity last year. Um, so let's say that that does happen, and the Yankees do bolster that pitching staff to go with that incredible bullpen and that powerful lineup. Um, the Red Sox aren't challenging anytime soon. I really can't see them, you know, other than maybe battling for a wild card. Um, Houston strong, New York strong. They know that in Boston. Um, I yeah, I think that could probably help in the in your camp in the sense of trading trading that.
1: Yeah, I agree. So let's let's transition a little bit now, and let's look at some of the top pitchers and top hitters on the free agent market, and let's 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 discuss what we kind of think their market's going to be like. Who maybe is a good fit for them, and, mm-hmm. and we'll come back to it. I know last year you, you you got in a little bit of heat for making predictions. I'm not asking you to do that, Dan. So you don't have to take that bullet again this year.
3: Yeah. Um, look, I, I the one I'm really. I was, in, I was on a podcast the other week um, over in Philadelphia and had a really good chat about their situation when they are at the moment. And, you know, you look at the Phillies uh, lineup, guys like Harper, Hoskins, Rilmudo, et cetera. Um, it's amazing to think that that roster finished 500 last year. And it all came back to the pitching, you know, some of the younger guys, Nola, et cetera. Um, they were really inconsistent and probably didn't take that next step that many expected. Um, you throw in a guy like Jake Arietta, who's obviously a fantastic pitcher and has a wonderful record, but he's injury prone and he's, um, he's ageing as well. So I think the ones who are really going to make a move, uh, as I said, I think the Yankees will as well. Um, but the other ones this year are, are going to be the Phillies. Um, I think they need to... Significantly improved their pitching staff to remain a contender in in what we've seen has been a, a phenomenally strong National League East division. Um, so then that obviously opens up guys you know, discussion for guys like Cole and Strasburg, um, Wheeler Bumgarner at maybe that that second tier. Um, I would think I would be actually incredibly shocked if the Phillies didn't at least land one um, of, of those.
1: For. Yeah I'm looking at the free agent list Right now that MLB trade rumors Had for their predictions of the top 50 and I mean mm-hmm. I'm going Through the list when you get past Cole Strasburg you still got uh, Zach Wheeler you got Madison Bumgarner then You go down a little bit you got Jay Go to who pitched really well For Minnesota you've Got Hunjin uh, Ryu. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they're they're guys, so I I think if you're a smart team, maybe you you let the Yankees kind of outbid themselves for a Garrett Cole, but Mm. I kind of want to get your opinion on this, Dan, because I think this, I think what you saw with the Yankees in the offseason last year, not being able to get pitchers. May continue this year because I don't think people want to pitch in Yankee Stadium. I'll never forget when Jeremy Hellickson was acquired by the Orioles at the trade deadline two years ago, and he said he didn't want to pitch here because of the ballpark. Do you think that could hinder the Yankees in free agency?
3: Um, uh, yes and no. Uh, It if we're talking, you know, I would like to think that a pitcher at that level looks beyond that. I mean, a we we don't want them worrying about their own game. Obviously, you know it's a. We want someone to go out there who's confident and feeling like they can beat anyone. Um, for for all the concerns about pitching in Yankee Stadium, I mean Oriole Parks pretty much is similar as well. It's a bandbox. It's, it's tiny. So um, you're going to cop that, you know, in the NL, uh in the AL East regardless. Um, yeah, I, I would I would hope it wouldn't. Factor in to be honest, um, because for every issue that that could create, you've got the um, the prestige of pitching for the Yankees. Not only that, you're pitching for a Yankees team who's you know right up there, ready to challenge. Um, yeah, I, I I wouldn't think that would come into play, or at least I wouldn't hope it would. Again, you. when we're talking when we're talking Hallickson, um I don't really see. Obviously, you know, he had some fantastic seasons, but he was never really at that that tier we're talking about when we're looking at guys like Cole and Strasburg, who you know had had a phenomenal um, postseason and really just um, set himself as being one of those, you know, probably one of the elite pitchers in baseball at the moment. All
1: right, so let's let's dive in and let's look at a cut co- three pitchers, and then we'll talk about a couple hitters. Number one, probably the guy that everybody will talk about this offseason, Garrett Cole. Didn't really look like he wanted to be back in Houston after the World Series wearing a scout Boris hat saying he's not an employee for the Astros anymore, yada, yada, yada. I I don't think he goes back to Houston. So is he the most attractive free agent pitcher, or would you say Strasburg?
3: No, I would go with Cole um, simply because – um, yeah, the strikeout value, and I think Cole's probably what he's achieved in the last few years is probably um, trumps uh, what Strasburg has. Um, even though Strasburg's obviously had a fantastic twenty nineteen, um, and where I think Cole will end up, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the Angels. Um, obviously, he's from California, um, that that's going to play a little bit in his favour. I think um, the Angels are a team which it's really you know came to I guess came to light last week um with Trout winning another MVP award you think god this guy's never won a postseason game it's it's almost embarrassing for that Angels organization to have guys like Trout and and Artani and so forth and having not um had the postseason success so I reckon they're in for it. They they could be the big movers this pre agent period. And I wouldn't be surprised if Cole is um, heading that way.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think um, the funny thing uh, about that is it's almost like going into this offseason, the Angel front office realizes okay, we made this huge investment in Mike Trout. Now we got to do it for the rest of the team. And I think Garrett Cole would would make that rotation tenfold better. Because yeah. they just didn't have an innings eater. They had so many guys get hurt. You had the unfortunate uh death of Tyler Skaggs. They didn't have a guy like Garrett Cole that you can just put out there and he's gonna eat two hundred innings for
3: you. Yeah, or break a skin. Yeah, you know, the Angels and notorious Taurus last few years. They, they can be red hot and they can be red, you know, ice cold. And you need a guy like there who when you know when things aren't going well I and mean, then you drop two, three, four in a row. You, you need a guy like go out there and say, all right, let's put our ace out there and let's get that win. So, um, yeah, I think probably agree on that one that he could end up uh, with the Angels. And in the same
1: token, if you're the Angels, this might be the offseason to go make a big move like that because the Astros starting to look like they might be on the decline or the window is starting to shut a little bit on their run and there isn't another team in the AL West outside of maybe Oakland that you sit there and go, okay, is a real contender in an AL West. So this might be the year to go make that big move and get him and get a a true number one for your rotation.
3: Yeah. You're spot on. I couldn't agree more. I mean, Verlander, obviously, you know, you'd be full to write off Verlander, but um, he, you know, he's 36 or something now, like next year, 37 years old. It's going to be a point where he's going to, you know, he's, not gonna be able to produce what he's doing um, at the moment, so take him out. You take um, Cole out, obviously. Um, Grenke um, had a pretty good postseason, but he's you know he's pretty inconsistent nowadays. So you're right. I think that there's a real opportunity there for the Angels, but um, they have to act now. Yes.
1: So let's go to the second uh, big pitcher on the market, Stephen Strasburg. MLB yep. uh, trade rumors he goes back to the Nats. Where? What do you think Strasbourg's market will look like?
3: I, I still also, I uh, think it's tweet out about a week or two ago. I think he'd end up back in DC. Um, but the only other player there could be um, where he's got geographic ties to is uh, San Diego um, yes. the Padres. Yeah, Padres are a really interesting team. They. Um, obviously went hard last year with Machado and they've got a fantastic amount of young talent coming through, um, and still also on the, on the, on the farm. So they're ready to to strike as well. So I think the other potential suitor there is, is maybe he might end up uh, with Padre. I,
1: I like that Padre pick. I, I just feels like to me, the nationals are going to land either Rendon or Strasburg in free agency. And I think yeah. Strasburg's the more likely of the two to mm-hmm. stay. So I'll, I, I think Strasburg ends up in D.C. because again, that pitching staff's going to get them at least make them competitive in the postseason every year when you can run Scherzer, Corbin, and Strasburg out. So I yeah. like. I, I agree with you. I think Strasburg goes back to D.C. So the final pitcher, Madison Bumgarner. We all thought he was going to get traded at the trade deadline. He didn't get traded. Now he's a free agent. What are you kind of thinking there? And for reference, MLB trade rumors has him going to the twins. And I'm going to tell you, I like that a lot. I think he's the perfect guy for that Minnesota rotation.
3: He would be good. Yeah, I agree. And as I touched on earlier, the twins have a fantastic lineup. Um, And, you know, similar to what I was talking about with the Indians that, you've got three teams in that division who aren't going to be challenging. So it's a two-horse race. Um, Now's a really good time for the Twins to to strike. And um, they had a bit of a taste of of postseason recently. Um, Obviously didn't do too well at all. Um, But I think add a guy like that in there, a proven postseason performer, Um, I think he's only 28 or something I was reading the other day, which is incredible because you – you yeah, you look at what he achieved with the Giants um, when they won those World Series, and you know, to think he was only in his early 20s then, it, it's crazy. So, um, yeah, he'd be a really good um, fit with the Twins. Um, again, I, I wouldn't, this is someone I wouldn't put past the Yankees having a bit of a look at. Um, he's probably not going to come with the price tag that Cole and Strasburg will, but um, as I said, he's a proven performer. He loves a big stage. What better stage um, than Yankee Stadium?
1: That that would be a very intriguing uh, Move for the Yankees Because I think you're right I think Bumgarner's in that second tier Partly because Regular season he's kind of been a little Excuse me, a little touch and go But Mm -hmm. I mean Locked down in the postseason And that to the Yankees is the most important thing They haven't had great starting When it comes to pitching in the playoffs So to get a guy like Bumgarner Would be huge Let's talk about Anthony Rendon Mm-hmm. What, what do we kind of, he's the best hitter on the market, prime of his career.
3: What do we kind of think with uh, Anthony Rendon? I um, see. I think he's probably just as likely to end up back in D.C. I think the romance will continue. Um, I think a six or seven year deal is perfect for both teams. Um, yeah, I've, I've always thought he may end up back in D.C.,
1: that, that's, it's a safe bet I kind, I kind of agree with you uh, The thing I The team I would watch for is the Atlanta Braves Josh yeah. Donaldson's a free agent They've got such a good young core there That you could put Rendon in there And my god that team is going to be Scary stacked. Yeah, stacked for years to come yeah. But I, he could end up in DC That wouldn't surprise me But if he doesn't keep an eye on the Atlanta Braves. I think they would make a move because I don't think they're going to bring back Josh Donaldson at age 34.
3: Yeah. See, uh, it's interesting because I actually think they will bring back Donaldson. I reckon they will bring back him on like a three year deal or something. Um, Short term contract with a high average of um, dollars per season. Um, I think that's a really good fit, but yeah, you're right. I mean, if they weren't to bring, if the Braves weren't to bring Donaldson back, then Rendon would be a great fit. Um, and what better way to uh, try to get one up on your division rival than taking a guy like that? Right. I think the other
1: thing is I'm looking at the the, the hitters on the market, and there, Josh Donaldson is really your second best option outside of Rendon. The, the Braves may get priced out of Donaldson very quickly if they don't want to pay him a three year, say. $60 million deal they're looking Somewhere in that three year $50 million range yeah. They they might balk at that and say Okay we'll just go spend the money On Anthony Rendon younger more, And will be here with us Longer than Donaldson will So yeah, yeah. Let's see the next We got two more hitters we'll do before we get out of here How about mm-hmm. Yasmani Grandol He's the best catcher on the market Where do we yeah. think He ends up
3: yeah, I think he's the second best catcher in baseball, um, to be honest. He, um, I, this is the one I thought the Braves might have a look at here. Um, he could also be a good fit with the Reds, um, which I think I've read um, a few other sites are reporting that could be a, an option as well. Um, but I reckon there's going to be a huge amount of interest in this guy and I reckon there's going to be an absolute bidding war. Um, don't be surprised if he lands an absolute mega deal Um, but yeah, I'm going with, uh, the Braves or the Reds.
1: I I like both of those options. I think the Reds might have a little more of the money to spend. Uh, but I like that. I wouldn't also be surprised if the Nationals don't sneak in there. Uh, With Kurt Suzuki, another year older, Jan Gomes was not, I think, what they expected. Mm -hmm. So that could, that would be a very sneaky, sneaky move for, uh, the, Pardon me for the, I lost my thought. Nationals, nationals,
3: yes, thank you, Dan. The nationals, it's, it's crazy that we're talking about you know how strong the NL East is and all these teams which keep coming up in conversation are all in that division. You know the Braves, the the Nationals, and the Phillies. That that I found that one of the most exciting divisions to watch um, this this past season, and if this. Um, Uh, Winter goes as planned. Well, then uh, that's going to be even more incredible to watch next year. Oh
1: my god, you are you are so right. And being an Oriole fan, it's nice to have something else to watch when the (laughs) Orioles struggle.
3: Oh, absolutely spot on. I could not agree more. (laughs) All
1: right. So the last free agent hitter we'll talk about, and of course we'll have you back on so we can do this some more another time. Nicholas Castellanos
3: went from
1: went from the Tigers to the Cubs. Free agent, one of the better, attractive outfield pieces. Where do we, where do you think Nick Cassianos ends up?
3: I, I have him penciled in at the Cubs, and I touched earlier on when you know someone who's um, a consistent performer, who's going to you know create runs, who's going to get that high on base percentage. I think he's a really good fit there, um, in Chicago. Um, with other potential options. Someone maybe like the Diamondbacks or the Padres. Um, so a team which needs to retool a little bit or, in the Padres' case, um, you know, just add to that young core that they've started to develop. So um, I think the Cubs probably. Uh, if not, maybe someone like the Diamondbacks or the Padres. So I, I,
1: The Cubs the Cubs feel like the safe bet, but I think some of that will depend on if they actually are motivated to move Chris Bryant or not. Here's a team yep. to keep your eye on. I think the Dodgers, they are such a left-handed heavy lineup. You have questions about Justin Turner at third base. Cassianos Mm -hmm. can play third, can also play the outfield. I think he would fit well with Dave Roberts. He'd be be able to utilize him better than anybody. The Dodgers would be sneaky because I think they could get him on a short, high money value deal for for a couple years to fill that hole at third while playing the outfield.
3: Yeah, that's a good fit. That's a good fit. One I hadn't really even explored myself um, in too much detail. So, yeah, that makes sense. That could be a good fit as well.
1: All right. Well, Dan, I'm all out of questions. This was a uh, lot of fun. We'll have to have you back on in a couple of weeks to do this all over again.
3: Yeah, definitely. That sounds good.
1: All right. So, that was Dan Clark at TBL Daily. You can read his stuff online. Give him a follow on Twitter. He's a hell of a guy to follow on Twitter. Dan. Keep battling the trolls and keep putting out good content, bud. Thanks,
3: man. We'll speak soon.
1: All right. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the opening kickoff podcast. I'm your host, Dave Stomwell. We just wrapped up our interview with Dan Clark of the TBL Daily. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but I am pleased. To be joined by my guys. Start with co-host number one, Brandon Stevens. How you doing tonight?
0: Man, I'm good. Man, bills are eight and three. I'm on top of the world.
1: Every, every, every week, you got to start with how your bills are doing. Every single week.
0: Okay, listen. Just let me get this off. You know, it's one time a week. Just let me let me do this. One time a week
1: All right, we got welcome back Co-host number two, Joe Schiller Who's been away for a while with work
4: Joe, how you doing? Good, my Ravens are on top of the world And best team of (laughs) ourselves playing tomorrow night So I'm pretty excited Now, before
1: we introduce our guests We have Ravens-Bills in a couple weeks Do do we want to place bets on that game, Brandon? (laughs)
0: Uh, <laughs> Listen, if you're willing to lose some money, I'm all for it.
1: Well, I'm, oh, I'm. no, 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 no! I ain't talking about losing money here. I'm talking about potential, uh, potential show punishment sort of mm-hmm. get uh, bet. Oh, Joe, okay, Joe, if you don't want to do it, I have no problem waving the raven flag. Yeah, you
4: be great. that. You be that guy. I'd be I'd, if you fall, like I definitely left laugh either way. So. <laughs> you that guy, man. That's cool, man. that
1: fair, fair enough. So, Brandon, you you want to do that? Yeah, sounds good to me. Why not? All right, so Joe, you come up with what the punishment would be, and we'll we'll settle that at a later date.
4: Okay, okay. fair enough.
1: All right, so let's let's welcome in our two guests. We got two great ones. Uh, be smart. He was on a couple of weeks ago. How you doing, big fella?
5: Good. All my football teams are terrible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you're an Eagle fan.
5: They no, lost. Not. Uh,
1: you're not an no, Eagle. Not. You're a Falcon fan. That's right. Yes. So they took an L. You're. Uh, what are your other? What is your other team? I can't remember. Off top. Oh, jikes! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, You're taking an L everywhere, big fella. Yeah, no. it was a rough weekend for you. It <laughs> so. has been. A while since we've had this guy on the show, I'm so excited to have him back on. He is our hockey expert. He is our random weird sport expert, Duke Becker. How you doing, buddy? I'm
0: um, absolutely LaMarvelous.
4: Yeah, I love that. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Oh, my God. What was that? La Marvelous? <laughs> what was that? That's,
2: that is the way that we call our fellow Ravens fans and tell them that we're feeling fine, feeling great. <laughs> Feeling great.
1: Too. I, I'm, Brandon, don't look at me. That's the first time I've heard of it. Maybe Joe's heard about that. Yeah, but. they
2: talk
4: about. Yeah, that's a that's been his MVP uh, nickname the whole season. <laughs> All right, so Duke, I introduced you as our random sport expert.
1: What 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 have you seen recently, my man, that you want to tell the world about?
2: Well. At, As many people don't know, I've recently relocated up to New York City, one of the quote unquote greatest cities in the world. It's offered me many opportunities, but the best one by far. Last week in City Field, they brought hurling all the way from the great British Isles, all the way from the great land of Ireland. And I know all of you are looking like, what, we're talking about that vomiting that you do on Saturday nights? No, no, no. This is a giant stick. Looks a lot like field hockey but a lot tougher cuz you know you get to wear you wear a kilt while you do it too and you just you hit a ball it's a lot like field hockey still score goals but oh it's brutal and it's the fastest game on grass that isn't lacrosse
0: the fastest game on grass
2: i love that
1: <laughs> all right any one of us does anybody want to go try hurling now after duke's explanation
2: i'm with it Yeah. I also got invited to be on a Quidditch League yesterday, so there was that. That
0: I I think you should join it.
2: Um I don't put broomsticks between my legs for a
1: okay. Okay. All right. Oh my goodness. All right. So we got a lot of football to dissect. We're gonna talk some NFL stuff. Cowboys Patriots is going on right now as we're recording. Ugly. Uh, it's an ugly day of football in general, but we got plenty to discuss there, but I, I want to dive into, we were talking about uh, pre-show, some quarterback discussion in, in the college ranks, and we talked about last week Tua's injury and those ramifications. Justin Herbert played last night against Arizona State. Oregon knocked out pretty much at the college football playoff, which pretty much knocks out. The Pac twelve in general, Justin Herbert's numbers were not very good. If you watch a game, it's twenty of thirty-six, three hundred and four yards. He had two touchdowns, and he also had two interceptions. Who who is your quarterback favorite, guys, to be the number one quarterback taken in a draft next year? Ooh. I, and this, I still- and, and, this can this can, I'm sorry to cut you off, Brandon. This can include Tua or uh Justin Herbert.
0: I still gotta go
1: with Broadway Joe Beasy, man.
0: Still number one. Yeah, I'll go Burrow.
2: Brandon, I'll go Burrow. You? Yeah, yeah it's looking consensus is going to be Burrow, but I and I don't want to I don't want to make the same mistake like a team like Chicago did where they took Mitch Trubisky, but uh from from georgia he's he's got a lot of experience under his belt and i think some team's gonna fall for that
5: (laughs) yeah
1: uh thanks for taking a shot at the guy that quarterbacks the team i root for but we're gonna ignore that um (laughs) i i agree with you guys i think burrow is the consensus number one with tua out and i think tua goes back to college yeah, Herbert Herbert was inconsistent last year, and it's just been magnified because of how Oregon has played. Uh, so here's my follow-up question. If we all think Burrow, do you think that changes some of the NFL team's mindsets about drafting a quarterback this year? Do you think maybe there's a team like a Cincinnati that says, you know what, we're not really sold on any of these guys this year? We'll wait till next year when you know Trevor Lawrence is coming out.
2: Well, I'm going to take point on this because I was actually just thinking about this because of, you know, the tanks conspiracy jobs that are going on in Cincinnati and Miami and Miami's decided to go ahead and win some games. So that's kind of hurting their stock a little bit, but now there's now there's no consensus quarterback it might almost make more sense to draft up on players around the quarterback suck next year and get a quarter and get one of those big names coming out next year. Joe,
4: what are your thoughts? Yeah. It's, someone was having this discussion as whether like you draft a guy like Burrow or chase young at number one. And I don't know. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you got Zach Taylor in Cincinnati, you know, they're probably not going to win a game this year and they're going to suck next year too. So, I mean, I think that's the mindset of, you want to do that is you probably want to you know, tank for next year to get one of those top quarterbacks, but I don't know. These teams are so inclined to take a quarterback and get their franchise guy that I think someone like the Bengals would probably still t- take Burrow and see what they can get with them. And that's just the mistakes those teams make. I mean, as great as that have like a defensive end, like Chase Young, I mean, the NFL still revolves around the guy under center. And I feel like a guy like Zach Taylor and the Bengals would try to get someone like Burrow, even though I still think you can wait a year later and probably get your franchise guy. Either Brandon. You guys got takes.
0: Um, I think I think the Bengals would be dumb to not take a quarterback this draft. Uh I feel like with them, you know, wanting to keep AJ Green around. I think especially wanting to keep him happy. I mean, you you need to get him a quarterback. I think he's tired of playing with Andy Dalton. Uh Finley, that's their backup QB now, right? That's their or their starter now. He he's not good at all. <laughs> so it's one of those things where like you know, it, it's one of those things where you, where you look at it, uh, you know, look at it from a fan perspective and you, you don't want to see your team suck for two years. Like you want to see them make some sort of improvement, you know, some sort of effort to at least, you know, show that they're trying. Uh, and I feel like them getting Joe Burrow uh, number one, probably, you know, that's, that's just going to be their best, uh, best choice.
5: Watching, being a Michigan State fan and like watching the Big Ten very closely, and seeing both of the Bosa brothers and then seeing Chase Young, I would be absolutely shocked if the number one pick isn't Chase Young. Like I like, I don't know how many guys watched every single snap of that game against Penn State, but he literally affected every single snap of every single play that he he was on the field. Like, it, it was legit just, like, I haven't seen anything like that in a long time in a college football game, to be honest. So, I would be shocked if he's not the number one pick. I I think a lot like you guys, I think it it ends up now
1: going to be a situation of where if you are a team tanking, it's going to come down to where do I feel like I have the best chance – to win in the next couple of years, and I don't—I I really don't think that Joe Burrow, as nice of a quarterback as he is right now, can do that franchise quarterback feeling. So I, I would take what you guys have talked about. I think I would go the let's draft as much talent as we can this year, knowing probably not going to win a lot of games next year. And if we do that next year, should be able to get a Trevor Lawrence. Maybe a Tua Tagovailoa, if Tua decides not to come out this year and he wants to go back and rehab at Alabama and uh, finish getting his degree, I put that in quotation marks, but that's, a kind of think, the leaning that you're going to see here from some of these top teams, and maybe Miami knew that, and like you said, dude, that's why they decided to start winning some football games.
2: The, um, the only other thing that I would say based on the uh, Chase Young as the number one overall pick is, if it, it's, looking, it's looking like Cincinnati right now. And that defense, as though it's been ferocious for a long time with some good front seven players, they need something better than a defensive a dominant defensive end. And they don't have the best locker room structure. I don't know how Chase Young will do in a structure like that. I think the
1: other thing you have to ask, two in that regard is what's going to be left on the offense for whatever the quarterback is next year. If you opt not to take quarterback, I don't think it's a guarantee that A.J. Green returns in Cincinnati next year. Joe, Brandon, what do you guys think?
4: Nah, I mean, he probably wants to play with a, a contender getting this late in his career, and if the Bengals are going to be trending towards a team that's going to start rebuilding, if you're an aging vet like that who knows dealing with these crappy teams, he'd probably want to either get traded or you know be released and sign with another team. So yeah, it makes sense. You want to keep a quarterback who's going to be able to get, you know, some kind of use out of the town with Joe Mixon and, and Green and Tyler Borden, some of the young guys you got. But, yeah, I agree. I mean, I just don't think a defensive end is going to be that answer at this time, even though I think he makes the most sense as a number one pick. But I don't think for the Bengals, maybe. I think is, the I, Bengals
5: need to just go past the idea of keeping A.J. Green and just worry yeah. about rebuilding a team, a structure from the, from the ground up.
4: Green can't even get on the field Anyway so I mean
1: Yeah he does. I, honestly I don't think he wants to get on the Field in Cincinnati anymore I think he's kind of seen how everything's Going like I don't, I don't want to be here guys Please get rid of me Brandon Stevens you wanted to Chime in
0: yeah, he, uh, you know, he came out, you know, told everybody that, you know, he wants to be like Larry Fitzgerald and play for one team his you know entire career and, you know, just be that guy in Cincinnati. But I feel like, you know, I, I think if it came down to it, I don't think he, you know, walked the walk. You know, it was nice to see him say that, but I don't think he'd really go through with it if, you know, Cincinnati doesn't show any signs of, you know, at least trying to improve.
1: Right. All right. So I want to ask you guys about this. Cowboys are are losing right now 13 to nine to the uh, New England Patriots. And and this report kind of interesting that came across this morning that if Jason Garrett gets fired by the Dallas Cowboys, the New York Giants would be the most interested team to land him.
5: What do you guys think of that? report?
2: Interdivisional uh, hirings are always scary for a lot of different reasons. Oh, excuse me.
0: <laughs>
1: Pass. I got yeah,
0: right, well, we'll to keep like to see. Yeah, I don't know if I would like to see Jason Garrett uh, just really coach anywhere else, if I'm you know, oh. being honest. Uh, uh, especially not the Giants. Like the Giants have already had like a long, it's been a long hard road just to get to where they are now. So I couldn't imagine them trying to, you know, go hire somebody like Jason Garrett. He hasn't won anything. Really isn't a proven coach to me. Don't know why he still has a job, you know now. But um, mm-hmm. I I just there would just be no point in them in them doing it.
5: I I. Honestly, like, I that just that just leaves me speechless. Like, like, like that. Like, Jason Garrett should never be a head coach ever again. Ever. The man's been horrendous for I, it's been like a decade. Like, yeah, they've had some good years, but it, that's because he has outrageous talent. Like him as a coach, he, he's terrible. He just never needs to be a head coach ever again.
4: Joe Hoppin. Yeah, to me, I mean, if if you're going for after a coach that's been mediocre pretty much the entire head coaching career, you're just asking to be a mediocre team. So, uh, <laughs> that just, to me, that just just kind of epitomizes what the Giants have been right now. And, I mean, that would just be completely adding to it. <laughs> Giants are bad.
5: <laughs> it's uh, they, draft, they did draft Eli Apple top 10.
1: Yes, they did. Yes, uh, I, it, it's fascinating. And, and here's my question. Do you guys really think Jerry Jones would get rid of Jason Garrett at the end of the year?
4: No, because he says everything he wants to do. He does everything Jerry tells him to do. Is this the end of his contract?
5: Because Jerry Jones said a few years ago he said he he was not going to extend Jason Garrett whenever his contract's up. It might be the end of his his contract coming up.
1: But I'm like you, Joe. I can't see him getting rid of Jason Garrett because Jason Garrett's basically his puppet. Like Jason Garrett basically does whatever Jerry Jones wants him to do. And right now it's let Dak Prescott throw the ball 27 times in the pouring rain and lose the big contract he's going to get in the offseason. So I can't, even if they don't make the playoffs, I can't see Jerry Jones getting rid of Dak Prescott, not Dak Prescott, sorry, uh, Jason Garrett, because that's his,
2: that's his boy right there. Fred I... or Duke. Yeah, just to just to kind of go back to where I was a second ago. An inter- it's an interesting hire if it's in the division, but I don't think he's head coach material. I think uh, you know, give him like some ticky tacky, like a special teams coordinator, get a little bit of insight on like the on like you know the division rivals. Maybe just have it just to bother Jerry a little bit. I think that's something the more would be into. Special teams Maybe.
1: <laughs> Brandon Stevens, what do you think?
0: Yeah, no. There's, there's just no way. Like, there. I don't, I don't think he is gonna let him walk. I I think I I just. It doesn't make this whole situation just doesn't make any sense to me. Because we've seen the Cowboys just be worse than they are now, and like we've never heard these talks, and like now all of a sudden it's you know Jason Garrett is gonna leave the Cowboys and go be the head coach of the Giants. Like I, I, I just don't see him leaving. I don't see Jerry letting him go. I think it's going to take a, a few more losses, and, and then maybe, maybe he'll consider it. But I don't think, I don't think we're at that point now.
1: Well, let's dive into the team chasing the Cowboys in the NFC East, and that would be the Philadelphia Eagles. And whoa, it's not pretty there in Philadelphia. Joe, I'll start with you. What's the level of concern in your mind about
4: Carson Wentz and this Eagle team? I'd be pretty concerned, but I don't know if I'll put all the blame on Carson Wentz. I mean, I was watching the game today, and his offensive line did him no help. I mean, I think they had Andre Dillard out there, and they pulled him either in the second quarter or midway through the game. Um, Wentz definitely, definitely didn't have a good game, but when you're missing all pretty much all your wide receivers when you're starting running backs is out, I mean, it's concerning, but the easy guy to pinpoint is obviously Carson Wentz, and he hasn't lived up right now to the – to the big contract he signed, but they're not necessarily putting all the pieces around him to make him successful. And I mean, these you know, Eagles fans expect you know Super Bowl bust every year. And when when you're not putting up those numbers and you're you're not producing, I mean, you'll hear boos in the second and third quarter. And I mean, you just hear those, and it just doesn't surprise you. But I mean, this it's I I would definitely be concerned, but I'm not sure I'm pinpointing at all on Wentz because of it.
1: Brandon Stevens. Yeah, I, I've always had
0: my my beef with Carson Wentz um it's one of those things where you know i i, I never thought that he was just the guy for, for the eagles but they've also done him no justice you know just like joe said with his uh, his offensive lines offensive lines never really been uh <laughs> you know the greatest um but it, it it's very easy you know to, to to pin it on carson Wentz. i don't know if i'm going to put all the blame on him uh his receivers can't catch the ball so that's obviously not you know doing him Any you know any justice? So I I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm putting it all on him, but he definitely deserves you know some of the blame.
4: He's got a hold on the football. I mean that's that's the biggest thing with him. I mean I think he had two or three fumbles today. It was
2: ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Duke Becker, your thoughts? You know, as seeing them, seeing a team that's a few years out of a Super Bowl win, you know, it was a big event for the entire city, the fan base as a whole. It's been a long time coming. But it's it's something that happens with those teams that aren't built like a dynasty, like as much as it pains to say the Patriots, where you lose some players after a Super Bowl because free agency, the big money starts coming in and you don't have those those pieces you used to. And that that happens with Super Bowl winning teams. And, you know, I don't know if Carson was that is that quarterback because he had the Nick Foles help for that playoff run. And it's just it, it, it's something you have to wait and see because they have a great front office. They love, they, they can get talented players. It's just to get them to perform. And I don't know if it's, I wouldn't say it's anything against Doug Peterson, but there's, I think there's some offensive scheme issues that need to be addressed for what they have right now.
5: Be smart. I, I think I was watching uh, First Things First and Greg Jennings was on and he, he made a good, valid point that. This Eagles team, I don't think, was really meant to be a dynasty. I think, like, as Eagles fans, they got the Super Bowl, they're like, yeah, now we're going to be at the top. Like, I, I just – I didn't think this was a dynasty in the making. I think that the team also may – Nick Foles isn't a better quarterback, but this team may respond better with him under center. And then when he left, and Carson's always been injury-prone, it just didn't make a good like the whole situation just didn't seem good to me, especially living in the area and seeing how Eagles fans are. I didn't I didn't see it ending up well, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Joe. I agree with a lot of the sentiments you said. Winston looked great. I know that people are going to bring up that throw we had to Miles Sanders in the red zone that he sailed on him, but. They got a whole lot more issues than Carson Wentz. Their offensive line is good when healthy, but it isn't healthy. I think I only recognize one or two offensive linemen out there today. So they're banged up there. They don't have Deshaun Jackson. They don't have Alshon Jeffrey. And they don't have Jordan Howard. And if you want to know how impactful Jordan Howard is, go watch the Chicago Bear offense and see how different it is there in Chicago. He's a difference maker in the run game. And they don't have those parts. So there's more on Carson Wentz's shoulders. And like you said, Brandon, it was it, Philadelphia. Ha- I'm glad David isn't on because he would probably fight me on say this. <laughs> Phil- Philadelphia has such lofty expectations of their city and their teams that when it doesn't go according to plan, they get all upset and want to point fingers and want to make the change. And I mean, talent wise, Okay, they're good enough to win the oh. NFC East with all those guys healthy, but are they better than the Packers, the Saints, the Niners? No. Or the Seahawks? And and you're right, the answer is no. So there's this, this lofted expectation, lofted belief in the Eagles, and it's kind of a harsh reality when they come back down to earth a little bit and you realize, oh, they're not as good as we thought, but it's not all Carson Wentz's fault. I and, and but Like you said, Joe, when we're talking about the draft-not-draft quarterback debate, the quarterback is the position that gets the most limelight. It's the guy that gets the most money. Everybody's going to expect the quarterback to be able to elevate what he's got. And right now, outside of Zach Ertz, Carson Wentz doesn't have much, if at all, to throw to for the Philadelphia Eagles.
0: Nelson (laughs) Aguilar,
2: He needs to be cut. (laughs) (laughs)
5: <laughs>
2: Anything's possible. <game of> <laughs> needs- that video of the guy ta- saying about catching the children out of the way, like, but and saying like Agalor, like that really that hit me. Like that's always <laughs> applicable. Right. So,
1: one of the probably what'll be the most shocking result out of this football Sunday, the Raiders go to New York, play a one o'clock game, and get throttled. <laughs> 34 to 3. Did we put too much expectations on the Raiders and did we put Wait, them above what, what the they surprise. really are? That
2: the Jets beat them. I'm sorry. The Jets beat them 34 to 3. I I mean the the score is a surprise I guess, but I I haven't tr- I haven't trusted the Raiders team since we've been knocking on wood over the summer. <laughs> like that team, that like as soon as like not even blaming AB for any of that crazy stuff that went wrong. The, the, te- the team's just not, it's not an organization that's built to win. They don't have a home state. They don't have a home stadium right now. They don't have the fan. They've lost the love of their fan base because they decided to leave. They don't have the front. They have a doll playing as their head coach getting paid more than anyone else in the building. It's just, I don't, I don't know exactly what was, what, are, what were we, were we really expecting positivity from a Mike Mayock mayock red lead team. Anyone else want to jump on that?
4: No, I mean it's your classic trap game. Um, coming on the East Coast, and the, I mean the Jets have been a little bit hot lately, but I mean they're they're terrible, pretty much in their own right. But I mean Derek Derek Carr doesn't really have many weapons around him. I mean I wouldn't call if you're targeting Hunter Renfro seven eight times a game. I'm not sure that's like your ideal scenario for <laughs> who you want to surround Derek Carr with as far as offensive weapons. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's a, a good number three, number four wide receiver on any team, but. I mean, Josh Jacobs didn't have a good game, and when the run game's not going, Derek Carr really hasn't been great. And I mean, it was just—it was—I it was really just your classic trap game, and the Raiders, you know, had a perfect opportunity to be able to jump right into the playoff race as far as a wild card team, and they blew it.
1: Be Smart or B Stevens, what you got?
5: I don't have much on. I, I never really thought much of that team in that year. I, I, I haven't really paid much attention to them, but. I never thought the Raiders were any, anything this year. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm
0: not, yeah. Uh, I'm just, I'm more upset that the Jets got a win. That's really what I'm more <laughs> upset about in this, in this game. But, um, you know, I never really expected the, the Raiders to really do much. I think where they are now is, you know, better than I think a lot of people thought they were going to be in the preseason, especially after Antonio Brown left. Um, I mean, it's one of those things where you know you look at it and you go, you know, I'm surprised that they made it this far, and that's how I feel. You know, I'm surprised that they're you
2: know where they are now. Yeah. Um, I... Go ahead, Duke. Yeah, no, I mean you can close this point. I had a question about the Jets that I wanted to bring up. Go ahead. Yeah. So, as as for my fellow Ravens fan, as we were heartbroken to see CJ go over the summer, the um. How does, how does, and he's, he's obviously been hurt this year. It's been a little bit slower for him, but man, that centerpiece on that Ravens defense, if that was here this year, oh man, I don't want to play the what if game, but that's a, that defense maybe doesn't take three or four weeks to really re- reset themselves. Yeah. Dave and I talked
4: about it a little bit. Um, how, you know, they made that huge revamp in the middle of the season that, basically saying you didn't like who you had to start the season. I mean, I I was I was always a proponent of wanting to keep CJ around, but I mean, that was a lot of money and and not to oh, say yeah. he would have, you know, you not not to say that injuries would have happened in Baltimore either, but um I, I would have liked to see him stay around, but I mean, given the circumstance, I'm not I'm not really that mad about it looking back on it.
1: <laughs> neither neither am I. I just you're not going to pay a guy like CJ Mosley who let's be totally honest and let's not hide from the fact has had injury issues. Like he's been banged up before he got that big contract. So you're not going to pay a guy that much money knowing that there's a chance that he can miss games. So
4: the Ravens don't do that though. The Ravens don't typically overpay him. He struggled in coverage at times too. That was probably one of his biggest flaws.
2: Hey, right. If he was around, we also wouldn't have this beautiful secondary of like seven corners that can cover anyone at any time.
4: Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it all kind of happens. I mean, I think the Ravens defense is good how it ended up. And I mean, you put a lot of stock into how they've been able to rebuild it in like six or seven weeks. So, all right. So let's give Brandon
1: Stevens his airtime, his weekly Buffalo Bills talk. They beat the Broncos 20 to 3 today. Big fella, go ahead. Talk about your team.
0: Why does it sound like why do you make it sound like it's gotta be like a chore, dude? Like you should be happy. You <laughs> should be happy. Like you're witnessing something that hasn't happened in like twenty three years. Like, you know, you this know is just
3: let it happen. I, let, you know what I witnessed today?
0: Good? I mean, we did it to make the playoffs, so I mean,
1: I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> You know what I witnessed today Brandon? I witnessed Josh the best throw I've ever seen out of Josh Allen. One throw. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, you In and two I years. both. Yeah, two you years. and I both. That No, no, no. That doesn't mean I'm sold on Josh Allen. Don't 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 read into that, Joe. <laughs> you know I'm not sold on Josh Allen.
4: No, you I mean you're not still completely sold on Lamar Jackson either. So, I'm not. <laughs> oh, man.
0: No loyalty. There's no loyalty.
1: Yeah, now, right, Joe, that I'm I'm hurt. Right. No,
4: nah, I'm good, Dave. No, I'm
1: not. No, I know. Oh, fuck! <blood. laughs> anyone else want to talk about the Bills, or have we done our weekly Bills talk?
0: Uh yeah, I don't really have much to say. I mean, it was just nice to get a win. I mean, it, the the Broncos don't like really champion so much. I mean, Brandon Allen is just a horrible quarterback. Uh like they they're trying to make the excuse for like it was super windy, which you know yeah it was, but that, that's really no excuse for how poorly he played in that game that Like that was that was just that wasn't pretty at you all. Know,
1: I tell you what, having a long- only
0: 134 total offensive yards is like you can't do that. You just you can't. <laughs> I
1: hate, I hate to say it. I don't like ever saying this, but the Broncos look like a team that's getting ready to quit. Like they, that yeah. offense is bad. And that defense just looks exhausted, frustrated, tired, you name it. That looks like a team on the verge of just throwing in the towel, which I think would do Vic Fangio in.
4: Yeah, I mean, when, when is John Elway starting to get some of the blame here? I mean, he's just had a terrible track record of, you know, acquiring quarterbacks and drafting quarterbacks since they brought in Peyton Manning. And, I mean, I get it. He's a, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback, you know, did a ton of stuff on the field, but often feels the general manager, it's been pretty suspect.
1: I I think when you bring that up, I think what what ends up happening is you put a guy in Denver, in John Elway, in a position where you don't want to – you don't – you can't fire him, basically, because you're going to – there's going to be a certain group of your fan base that's going to say, whoa, 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 this is the best quarterback the Broncos have ever had. Well, you can't fire him. You got – So I think that it's one of those situations you put a guy in a spot where you can't fire him because of his name. It would kind of be like if the Orioles put Cal Ripken at manager, there would be a lot of people very offended if you had to have that conversation and fire Cal Ripken Jr. that they wouldn't want to support your fan base. And I think that's the
4: situation you have in Denver. I don't the Fangio thing. I just don't get like you're. You need help on offense, so you go hire a defensive minded head coach, and then you guys struggle on offense. Like that just doesn't make much sense to me. And, and it's no knock on
1: Fangio. He's a great defensive coordinator, but you're right. He he's not your offensive pro,
4: uh, solution. Yeah, you, I mean, I look at like I look at John Harbaugh, and he you know he came over as a special teams coordinator, and you know they have a good offensive coordinator and a good defensive coordinator, and then that takes off pressure from Harbaugh to have to make a lot of those decisions. And he's a good, I would say, more of a leader as a head coach and letting his, you know, offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator take the, you know, those roles on both sides of the ball. I just think that works a lot better than trying to hire maybe, you know, if, if you do it, I think in, in this day and age of the NFL, you, you hire an offensive minded head coach, just where everything's trending. All right. So
1: let's talk about the Monday night game. Ravens, Rams. Joe and I made our picks on our other show, Ravens Brawl Podcast. If you want to go check that out, shameless plug, right, Joe? Uh, Unsubscribe,
4: resubscribe, unsubscribe.
1: (laughs) Don't do the last one. Don't unsubscribe. Um, And while you're at it, rate, subscribe, and review this show as well. Ravens, Rams. Joe picked the Ravens. I'm taking the Rams because this feels like the trap game for the Ravens. Duke, who do you think wins Monday Night Football? And then we're going to pick the Thanksgiving Day games because we got three, well, two interesting ones and one really
2: bad one. But Duke, you're Ravens, Rams, who do you like? So interesting you brought up a trap game going into, uh, into this game because we also have the Marcus Peters revenge game. And I, wanna, I, I, I really hope that the trap game had, was that Browns blowout. I really hope that that was it. I, w- I wouldn't mind losing another game. It's good for a team to stay humble and not feel good about this crazy win streak. I'm also pretty happy that uh, Justin Tucker ended that field goal streak because now that's not, we don't have any um, Gary Anderson situation set up now. And, you know, it's, it's, it's I think it'll be close. I, I don't want it to turn into an offensive shootout, but that's, that's the way it's trending. It's going to be like a, like a 38, 34 score game, something around that. But I still – I'm
1: going to keep it with the Ravens. Brandon Smart, Ravens, Rams, who do you like on Monday night?
5: Ravens by two touchdowns.
1: Whoa. Love, love it. it. <laughs> I I kind of knew you would love it, Joe. I'm just kind of surprised. Not surprised. Kind of figured that. Brandon Stevens, Ravens, Rams, Monday night, who do you like?
0: I'm going to have to go by all of my good judgment and pick the Ravens in this. Uh, I think we're going to see, uh, you know, just how big of a fraud. If you if you already haven't figured this out, <laughs> Jared Goff is going to go down to the Ski Mask Hall of Fame. He is. He's going to go down to the Ski Mask Hall of Fame because he has robbed the Rams of so much money. And he's just, he can't produce anything. Like, there's nothing that Jared Goff can do that's just going to make me, like, even think that his contract was remotely worth it. So I think we're just going to watch him get exposed all night, and the Ravens are just going to walk away with the easy dope.
5: I'm happy
1: you now, said that. Let me, <laughs> let, me uh, let me save my face here because I'm the only one that didn't pick the Ravens, and I explained this on the other podcast, and I'll explain it here. I have picked, Joe, how many weeks has it been? Three weeks?
4: Three or, three or four, yeah.
1: Three or four weeks I picked against the Ravens, against the Seahawks, Patriots, and Texans, and they've won all three. So call me superstitious, but. I'll pick against them this week and hope that the win streak goes to four, because I do think the Ravens can beat the Rams. Don't get me wrong. This all the circumstances of it being Monday night, West Coast. They don't normally play well on the West Coast, and the Rams are the more desperate of the two teams right now because they gotta stay in the win column. They gotta stay as close as possible to the. Uh, Seahawks and the Vikings, at least in the wild card debate. So they're the more desperate. And I just, it feels like a bad matchup to me, but I still think the Ravens can win. But I'm going to take the Rams 20 to 17 just because I think this is the trap game for the Ravens. They'll get refocused and they'll go into San Francisco a little more focused than they will into this one. So that's the only reason why I'm taking the Rams. But somebody will say I'm a Raven hater.
0: One thing I do, you know, enjoy, particularly, you know, just, just being in Baltimore, <laughs> is when the Ravens lose, like, these games that people think that they should win, it's always nice to, like, you know, sort of put your ear to the street and just see what people are saying. I remember when Joe Flacco was, you know, everybody's favorite quarterback in Baltimore, you know, the good old days. And, you know, he'd go out, you know, they'd lose an easy game. That following Monday, Tuesday, all the talk shows is talking about is it time to get rid of Joe Flacco? And they they waste no time hitting the panic button. Uh So I think on the on the you know if the Ravens lose, it'll just be interesting you know just to see if they hit the panic button. I don't think there's any real reason, but it's always nice to see.
2: (laughs) Um, I have another point I want to throw up throw out here. The um. Say say the Ravens do lose this game tomorrow, and they, but Lamar plays outstanding. Does the all of the positive energy towards his MVP case stay with that same energy, or do they do they immediately go to the he can't win the big game, or he couldn't win the game? He's you know it's ineffective production. Like does that does that talk start to come up a little more?
1: Joe, I'll let
4: you answer that one. I'm sure it's always going to be there, but I would say I would say yes that they wouldn't have won uh, the games against the Seahawks, Texans, and Patriots. But the fact that he proved he could do that in those big games, I think, it solidified it for. I mean, me is probably with you know more bias towards the Ravens, but I think sure. you know towards you know the general audience to see him do those things on those stages, especially against the Patriots too. I mean, they're about to you know win again here. I mean, that being their only loss this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think he's fine either way.
2: Okay.
1: I I agree with Joe. I think if he hadn't approved proven it and shined in the bigger games prior to this one, I would say, yes, there would be questions, but he's done it. He's beaten better quarterbacks. It'll look funky. It'll smell as as a stain on the Ravens season. A lot like the uh, Browns game in week four where everybody's like, yeah, but the Ravens also lost to – the Browns in week four at home by 15. It'll be one of those games, one of those conversations with the Ravens of, yeah, but they lost to the Rams in Los Angeles, and it'll look worse if the Rams don't make the playoffs, which right now, it looks like that's where it's trending. All right. So let's preview the Turkey Day games, because we got three games, one involving uh, one uh, somebody's team in these three Thanksgiving Day games. We'll let you figure out which one it is when we get to it. But first
0: they already know Dave. They they are already aware who's playing on Thanksgiving.
1: 12 (laughs) 30 the five and six Bears the three and seven lions give me a winner and why
2: um can I pick Ty? My winner's gonna be the uh, the Thanksgiving dinner I'm gonna eat at that same time and not watch this game. <laughs> That's my winner. No, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be uh, uh, Detroit.
1: I I got I got the lines. The Bears are such a hot mess that I don't think they figure it out uh, tomorrow. They, they, by Thursday, they still can't move the ball. They still don't trust Mitchell Trubisky. Give me the Lions at home and probably the worst of the three games. Brandon Stevens, besides a tie, who do you like?
0: Uh, I'm going to go with the Lions. I, I agree with you. You know, the Bears are just a hot mess. Um, it's just there's no way that they they, they they beat this, you know, this Lions team. I, I think the Lions are one of those teams that, you know, before Matt Stafford went out, they were kind of performing better than their record shows. Um, but is Matt Stafford supposed to play uh, Thursday?
1: Nah, doesn't sound no. like it. Oh yeah, well
0: then, all right, well then it's really up in the air because I, I don't really like their backup either. But I, I'll still ride with the. <laughs> I'll still ride with the lines. Right,
4: I'll go with the lines, Joe. Yeah, I mean, did you guys not watch the Lions today against the Redskins? I feel like we're all forgetting that they just completely stunk it up. I don't know. This game's gonna be, <laughs> this game's gonna be pretty terrible. I feel like it's one where you're like watching for a little bit, then you're like yelling at your mom to like hurry up and start dinner. because <laughs> Don't want to watch this game anymore. Um, but I'll take the Bears. I think it's just gonna be a just slugfest. And after seeing what the Lions did today, like I really have no confidence in that. And Jeff Driscoll, I'll take, uh, I'll take Trubisky and the Bears. Brandon Smart. I'll
5: take the Bears. I think their I think their defense will be the only unit that scores a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: for those of you wondering if if you want to watch that game. That should answer the question right then and there for you. So let's get to game number two, probably the best game in this slate. I can't believe I just said that. Bills at the Cowboys in Dallas. Who do we like to win and why?
0: <laughs> I'm just gonna skip this one. <laughs>
2: right, based, on, based on what we just saw from that Cowboys Patriots game, I don't I, I think we should just skip this one too, yeah.
1: <laughs> I I hate to say it. Brandon, you're gonna die. I, I think the Bills win. I just Dallas can't beat a good team. And say what you want, and I've said it pretty harshly, but the Bills, record-wise, are a good team. So I don't think Dallas can win this game at all. God,
0: Dave, what do we have to do to just get your respect? Just a little bit. Like, what do you want to say? Beat
1: the Ravens. Beat the Ravens.
0: Name Tyrod Taylor your starting quarterback. (laughs) Jeez. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. He can stay right where he is. We're good.
4: Joe, I'll take the Cowboys. I think it's a get-right game. I think the, are the Cowboys home. Yes. Yeah, I like them in the dome. In Jerry World, I'll take it over there. I think it'll be close. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills won because I, I think it'd be definitely the best game of the three. But I'll take the Cowboys. Be smart.
5: I'm taking the the uh, Bills. Cause I'm looking at it like It's time for the Cowboys to somehow Somehow Some way Choke so bad that the terrible Eagles Have a chance <laughs> Like the Eagles play The Eagles so, play the Dolphins next week So that's a win I think So by, by, by the
1: way if you're going off of Our predictions I'd go off Joe Because he, he's pretty smart <laughs> he's got he's it's got the trip, consensus picks right now. <laughs> Last one: Saints at the Falcons. Saints got really walloped at home by the Falcons a couple weeks ago. Do the Saints get revenge on Thursday night? Yeah, I'm
0: not watching it. I, I, I mean, the way they look today against Carolina, like it's one of those things where. You know, you look at it, Carolina has no, you know, they got Kyle Allen under center, so it's not Cam Newton. So you can't even make that excuse. I mean, they made DJ Moore look like a pro bowler. Uh, them not having I, I don't Marshawn Lattimore didn't play today, right? Please somebody please say yeah. no. Okay, I'll say somebody please <laughs> say no. <laughs> right, yeah. So I think if he if he isn't there Thursday, then uh, Julio's just gonna eat. But the Falcons also are allergic to throwing him the ball in the red zone, so I don't think they're going I don't think it's really gonna matter, you know, no matter more or or not. But uh um I, I'm I'm just gonna have to go with the Saints. Like I don't think they make the same mistake twice and, and lose to the Falcons. I'm
1: I'm gonna take the Saints. I'm gonna take the Saints as well just because I think uh I, I, there's something about that team. Their defense is, I don't think, as good as it was last year, but they will get a chance to get Atlanta, beat them up, and take the division well in hand if they win this one. So I think the Saints win. But it'll be close because I think Atlanta is going to put up points on that Saints defense.
2: Duke, who do you like? Um. Well, honestly – Going to keep it 100% with you guys. My only dog in this fight is that I need Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara to play well. So, I'm going uh, Saints all the way.
1: If you can't figure it out, folks, he's talking about his fantasy
4: football team. So. He might Joe, have who do again. you like? I'll take Saints. I, I, like you said, I think it'll be close because it always is when they play each other. Um, but uh, I think Saints will win this one. I don't think they lose twice to him.
1: Brandon Smart, you're not even going to watch a game, so I'm assuming yeah, you're taking the Saints.
5: I, yeah, I, I mean, like we beat them by 17. Uh, they're going to beat us by at least 20. <laughs> like, like I don't like. We, we had one win. We, we were going to get a top three, top four draft pick, and we win two games for no reason. <laughs> and then we lose by 13 to the Buccaneers. Oh my like, god. What?
2: The funny part is, I can't tell if you're describing the Dolphins or the uh, Falcons.
5: <laughs> like, I, I don't understand right. how you have that much talent on a roster and it's so bad.
1: Alright, so, let's get to, before we wrap this show up, we have a brand new segment that we introduced last week called the hit list. Brandon, why don't you explain the hit list to everybody since really this started with you and then everybody will give somebody on their hit list.
0: Yeah, so the hit list is basically, you know, just you airing out any grievances that you have with any uh you know, just sports team or or professional athlete or college athlete. It could be high school, you know, anybody that you got, you know, any grievances with this week, you know, just air them out let them know how you really feel. That's, that's, that's the point of the hit list. You just got to get it off your chest.
2: Duke Becker, we'll start with you. Who's on your hit list? All right. Well, I had I had a different one that we kind of talked about with the tanking teams and then deciding to win to keep a coach's – whether the coach needs to keep his job or something. So I'm going to move away from that. And instead, something that just got brought up to me watching this uh, Cowboys-Patriots game, it is 2019, folks. Why do we still have to watch these games with like rain covering the entire camera lens? How, did, how, is, how is this not something that we've solved yet? Just in general, I don't know if it's the camera people, if it's the NFL. There's got to be a solution to this. At least wipe it off so it's not all foggy before you start the, you switch to the camera. I don't, I don't know. Someone figure it out.
5: I agree. Cause they always switch to the cameras to get like a better angle and there's just all rain on it. It's like, what's the point? All right,
1: Brandon Smart, who's on your hit
5: list? Um, As a former offensive lineman, I'm going to have to go with James Franklin because number 71 for Penn State might have played the worst game I've ever watched an offensive lineman play in my life. And it was all because this man, James Franklin, decided not to chip block, not to double team. But allowed number seventy one to go one on one with Chase Young for a full game, and I've never been so. Just I just felt bad for that man. Like I like I've never seen anything that bad. So James Franklin, I feel bad for seventy one. So James Franklin's online.
1: Joe Schiller, who's on your hit list?
4: I'm gonna go over to NBA and go to. Uh coach Jim Boylan for benching Zach Levine or yanking him out of the game and then he responds by going 49 points in the game winner three pointer I mean to lose the locker room and then have the guy you bench then hit you know the game winning three in front of your face is absolutely hilarious and just the NBA and all this drama that goes on I just love it it's great it's
0: the greatest sport in the world for that reason
4: well, 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 well.
1: Brandon Stevens who's on your hit list
0: uh, so today I'm going to be calling the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just entire organization. Uh, I'm just, I just got to call them out. Like I have Mike Evans on my fantasy team. So this is like a weekly thing for me. Like it's, it's a lot of ups and downs. This is a whole lot of ups and downs. Like I never really know if I'm going to be happy this week or if I'm going to be sad. But the fact that they keep Jameis Winston as their quarterback after he has just these terrible games week in and week out, is beyond me. They don't give the ball to Mike Evans when the Falcons don't have a clear-cut like cornerback that can guard him, but you throw, like, what, nine, ten passes to Chris Godwin, and he's out there looking like Mike Thomas 2.0, but just in Tampa Bay. I have no idea why that franchise is so inconsistent. And it's frustrating for me, and I'm not even a Buccaneers fan, so I can only imagine how it is for people who watch that team week in and week out. Like Jameis Winston has, what, 18? How many, how many picks does he have this season? 18 for, like, 12 weeks? Like, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Like, if that was anyone else, like anyone else in this league, they'd be getting dogged on a daily basis. And I don't think anybody <laughs> is saying anything about Jameis Winston <laughs> and just how bad he is.
1: All right, so on my hit list, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, you need to come up and you need to take a lot of ownership for the issues that the Chicago Bears have. They are an absolute train wreck. It starts with Ryan Pace not getting the right guys, making the wrong moves. I talked about Jordan Howard earlier. I think Jordan Howard is a big reason why the Bears offense is not what it was because he is such a downhill three-down back that grinds out yards. They don't have that. They can't run the ball. And then Matt Nagy, a lot of this game plan, Oh my God week in and week out is on you. I mean, you're setting up poor Mitchell Trubisky to fail. And if you don't believe me, go back and look at what he pulled last Sunday night, where he pulls Mitchell Trubisky late in the game, claiming it was a hit pointer. I don't know. Mitchell Trubisky was moving pretty good for pretty good today. So I don't think it was a hit pointer. So Matt Nagy and Ryan pays. I mean, I thought the Bears were a little overrated going into the season. But, my God, I did not think they were this bad. This doesn't look like a team that should have five wins. This looks like a team like the Dolphins or the Redskins. It looks like it should be tanking for a draft pick at times. That's how bad they play. So, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, you're on the hit list because you have set this team up to fail. All That's right. Fair. That's fair. It- Just
0: kill the Bears. Steve. I love it. <laughs> really let them know how you really feel. Man. Like, that got me a little fired up. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, I now hate Mitch Trubisky and Matt Nash just, just because that. Like, that's how I said <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm on board.
1: I don't know. Joe's got me wanting to go watch Chicago Bull games tomorrow, and I don't know why I want to do Please
0: that. Please don't do that. Like, you should never want Yeah, to don't that. do that. Yeah you, snake, no point. yeah, you should never, yeah, never do that.
1: All right. Anybody else got anything else they want to add before we get out of here?
0: Oh, I do. No, I I got one more. I got one more on my list, actually. Uh, I I just want to call all – every team who has played the Dallas Mavericks this season, why do you keep underestimating Luka? Like, what else does he have to do? He just hung 41 on James Harden. Like, I don't don't know what else this guy has to do, man, for people to just wake up and realize that he's not playing games. Like – People are, I remember uh, before he got drafted, like people were saying, oh, he's not going to be good because he didn't go to college. I'm like, man, this guy spent, what, two years playing against professionals overseas? Like, he's not worried about going to play, you know, college basketball against half the team, not even going to make it to the league. So, like, what's the actual point? Like, he's 20 years old and cooking grown men on a nightly basis. And the coaches just don't adjust to it. They don't adjust. Like, the Rockets did nothing to adjust to just the the absolute just onslaught that was happening, you know, just just in that that game. Like, that was hard to watch from a defensive standpoint. It's like, he's just – whatever shot he wanted, he was taking it. Too bad he plays for the Mavericks and they're never going to win anything. But –
1: all right, that is gonna do it for us on this edition of the Opening Kickoff Podcast. Our thanks to Dan Clark, our thanks to Duke Becker, Brandon Smart, Joe, Brandon, and I will be back next week. Peyton Gerard will be joining us. Peyton, yikes! Peyton's oh gonna have an epic Steelers rant that he has to save for us. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Joe, you kind of have an idea what this is probably going to be about, but I'm, we get it tonight. But yes, shopping. <laughs> We're going to have to put a like a, a viewer
0: <laughs> discretion advised, like just, <laughs> just a warning before before the podcast starts. Like you know, like... sure, Miles <laughs> scared doesn't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make sure there are no small children
1: around. <laughs> children. <laughs> All right, but <laughs> again, our thanks to those guys. Joe Brandon and I will be back next week with a great new show. So, four Duke.
2: Becker- will be nine and three. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's extreme ironing, like you you iron clothes in extreme situations. That's my new favorite sport.
0: Extreme <laughs> ironing. What? What is
2: that? I'll send you guys a link. Don't worry. <laughs> for Duke Becker. Oh yeah.
1: For Brandon Smart. Yes, sir. For Joe Schiller. Peace. Aren't you glad you're back, Joe? Yeah, what a show. <laughs> for, for Brandon Stevens.
0: Can't wait for the Bills
5: to be 9-3 on Thursday, baby. Let's get it. Oh, guys, I did have one thing to say. Go ahead, Brandon. Um, I don't know if you guys heard, but it was, a, it was a little kid. He was about 10 years old. He had died. He uh, got killed at a South Jersey football game. Yeah. The Eagles had played the game. Um a kid dedicated um his championship game to that kid and went out and broke the New Jersey state record for 10 touchdowns in one game. Oh wow. Championship game, they won 76 to 7. He scored 10 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: There you yeah. go. There you go. Let's end on that note. I'm Dave Stalmottle. Enjoy the week. Enjoy Thanksgiving.